Good morning and welcome to Houghton Wesleyan Church. We're glad that you're able to join us as we exalt the name of our great God together. I invite you to stand and join with me in the call to worship found printed in your bulletin. Jesus Christ has come into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Alleluia, Amen. Let's pray. Father, we have gathered into your house today to discover in greater depths and true realities what it means to be your people. We all come from different walks of life with burdens, joys, and stresses that we carry. We lay these at your feet, believing that you know each situation in its entirety and are working on our behalf. We ask that our worries and our to-do lists would be cast aside and not be able to distract us this morning because it is our heart's desire to meet with you. We don't want to put on a show or to be entertained, but to humbly enter into your presence because it's only in your presence that we can find the life we are called to lead, to receive your love and have our hope restored. May your word, as it is both read and preached, speak deep into our hearts, transforming us so that what happens today in this service would not just be pleasant thoughts or mere rituals, but would become the truth which guides the way to how we live our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Before you're seated, uh, share a word of greeting, a word of peace with others who are here in worship today. Last week we had the, the privilege of receiving uh, 17 covenant and two student members uh, into the membership of the church. But a couple of people were uh, unable to be here last week. And so I, I wanted to have an opportunity to introduce them to you if in case you, you don't know them. So I'm going to ask uh, Matt and Barb Woolsey and Jessica Romance to come and stand here. And as I said to you last week, uh, they are part of the group who have declared their relationship with Christ and their desire to, to live in Christ and to be connected officially in the membership of the church. And I uh, just want to take a moment to, uh, to just give you a chance to see them and introduce them. Uh, Matt and Barb uh, lived here and were members here at the church from 1987 to 1992. Uh, they moved back to Houghton in August of 2010. And Matt is a dentist, works with Finger Lakes Community Health. Barbara's retired, uh, retired school teacher, and uh, both have, uh, they teach fourth grade Sunday school together. Uh, Barbara's a ministry leader for King's Kids Club, Wednesday Evening Girls Program. They help with WKFM, Wesley Kids for Missions. They also have uh, a great desire to, uh, to work with our uh, ongoing outreach to the needy uh, around us here in Allegheny County. And uh, they are transferring from the Edgewood Free Methodist Church in Rochester. Jessica was not here last week. Uh, she was on the way to the hospital to have a baby. Uh, wasn't last Sunday, but it was Tuesday, right? Uh, had a little girl, and we are excited for them. And uh, her first Sunday here in church. And uh, it's awesome. Uh, Jessica has attended here all of her life. Uh, lives in Fillmore with her husband, Peter. And uh, she is a school teacher and also a coach at uh, Fillmore. Uh, she's been a ministry leader with King's Kids Club, uh, sings in the worship team, helps with Children's Church, also part of one of the sermon focus groups, and uh, she is joining by profession of faith. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to see them, to meet them, and uh, to encourage you to welcome them into the uh, membership of the church. Thank you. There are just a, a couple of things I want to highlight uh, in the life of the church. Uh, you probably saw as you came in this morning the signs on the doors about uh, of covenant members participating in the election today, election of our leaders. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to do that yet, to do so at, right after the service. You can go to the lower foyer here, or I, I think there probably will be some uh, the ability to do that in the Christian education foyer, but uh, certainly here. And it, you know, take you just a couple of minutes to do that. So it's, we want to encourage all our covenant members to uh, take part in this process today. Tonight at 6 o'clock, uh, we are doing something new. Uh, we've typically every year had a, a Wednesday night annual meeting where we do the business of the church. And this year we're shifting the focus of that meeting quite a bit. And instead of being a business meeting, we're using the term a vision meeting. And uh, we'll be coming together for some time of fellowship. And of course, when we get together like that, we have some kind of food, right? So we, we have uh, encouraged you to bring a dozen cookies or a dozen bars to share with uh, others who are there. And uh, we will we'll sing a little bit together. We'll also have an opportunity to hear from, from some in the church about some things that God has done in their lives through the ministries of the church. And uh, also, I think we'll have some time for those of you who would like to share maybe your own story as, as we, uh, we hear and, and think about what God has been doing in, in our church this past year. And then as we, uh, we're going to break into smaller groups and just have a chance to talk a little bit, to, to uh, discuss some uh, ways that we as a church can better fulfill the vision that uh, God has given us as the Houghton Wesleyan Church. And, um, and uh, we will then also uh, have an opportunity to, uh, to pray for those who are going to be leading us this year and uh, just to, to share together. We'll start at 6 o'clock. Uh, we will have child care available. We'll be done at, by 730 and uh, I, I think this has the opportunity to just give us a little bit uh, of a different sense of being the community of faith together and uh, being a part of this congregation. So we hope you'll join us. Whether you're a member or not, please come tonight and in the community room at 6 o'clock. 
I want to invite you to turn in your bulletins to the uh, prayer of confession and as God's people to, uh, to take a moment and to recognize that uh, we need him and that there are uh, always things in our lives for which we need God's grace and mercy. So I invite you to join with me together as we pray the prayer of confession. Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge that we come today with the need to confess our sins to you. We have spoken harshly when a gentle word was the right response. We have broken confidence even though we were trusted with sensitive information. We have acted arrogantly despite your call to humility. We have allowed our work to drive us while ignoring the rest that you command and that we need. We have not honored others above ourselves. We have been selfish with our time, our gifts, and our resources. In your loving mercy, forgive us. And in your wondrous grace, make us more like Christ. Amen. This morning's Old Testament reading is Psalm 46, verses 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to stand and sing the Gloria Patri as the ushers come forward to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Almighty God, this is your world, the world you created, the world you love, and the world that you entered and are redeeming. We confess that far too often we only see the violence, hatred, and injustice that surrounds us in our communities and our world. We see only these things and are blinded to the ways in which you are working in our midst. Forgive us, Lord, for the distance we have put between us and our hurting brothers and sisters and restore our hope in the reconciliation that you are bringing. Lord, use these gifts and sacrifices that we bring today to bring about your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And as we give, we ask that you would change our perceptions and attitudes so that we might live more powerful and fruitful lives as ambassadors for your name. Amen.
As we go into our time of prayer together this morning, the altar is open. If there are things that you would like to uh, pray about and specifically would like to pray at the altar, I invite you to join me there at this time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we have gathered in this hour to declare your praises, to worship you, and to acknowledge you as Lord of all that is. Your glory and majesty fill this world, and your mercy and grace overflow in our lives. We recognize this morning our great need of you. When we examine ourselves in the light of your glory, we find ourselves wanting Lord, you know all things, and you know our hearts. We acknowledge our sinfulness, our brokenness, and we acknowledge that apart from you and your great love, we are without hope in this world. And yet we do have hope. We have a great and a marvelous hope because of your amazing love and mercy poured out on us in Jesus Christ. We are a forgiven people, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and in this we rejoice. Thank you for lavishly giving to us the undeserved gift of your love. Father, you know our hearts this morning. You are well aware of the needs represented among us today. There are some among us this morning with physical needs. We lift them up to you and ask for your healing touch. We pray for John Banker, Ryan Pennings, John and Gladys Andrews, Lynn Perry, Bill Roski, Emily Crickler, John Smith, Judy Gudekinst, Candy Wells, John and Mary McCormick, Clarence Wagenblatt, Louis Case, and others who are not mentioned in the bulletin but have physical needs nonetheless. We pray for them, Father, that you would touch them, bring healing to them. And, and be close to them today. Father, for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones, we ask that you would comfort them, that you would wrap your arms of love around them today and draw them near to you. You know the needs of our world. Father, there's violence and unrest in many places. You are the Prince of Peace. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for northern Italy where this earthquake took place. We pray for the people there. And we pray that uh, you would just be with them and help them through this time of trial. Father, we pray for our government. We pray for local, state, and national leaders. And we pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment as they seek to lead your people and the people of this country. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. To you be all glory, majesty, and power. And we will give you thanks in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus who taught his disciples to pray the prayer we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
The New Testament scripture reading for today is Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord.
Amen. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, help us to trust you more. We pray this morning that you would open our ears that we might hear your truth. May your word in scripture fall fresh on our ears. May it shape the choices we make, the way we love, the priorities we set. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Our psalm for today, Psalm 46, is probably familiar to most of you. This well-known psalm has been a source of comfort and hope for many people down through the centuries. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. A wonderful truth and promise from God's word. But do we believe it? Because on a very practical day-to-day basis, an awful lot of us tend to look to our circumstances for our sense of peace and security. As you think back on your own life this morning, what are the things in your life that make you afraid? What are the things that cause you worry? Most of you know that I'm a fan of Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the Peanuts gang. Peanuts is often as much of a profound commentary on life as it is a cartoon strip. It's sort of masquerading as a cartoon strip. Um, It features a group of child philosophers and theologians trying to find meaning and make sense of life from a child's point of view. In one Peanuts cartoon strip, Linus goes to see Lucy, the psychiatrist. He says, my life is full of fear and anxiety. The only thing that keeps me going is this blanket. I need help. So Lucy suggests a number of possible phobias in order to help Linus pinpoint the cause of his fears. I won't read it directly, but she asks if he's afraid of responsibility, which would be uh, hypengeophobia. Is he afraid of cats? That would be ilurophobia. Afraid of staircases? Climacophobia. Afraid of the ocean? Thalassophobia. Afraid of crossing bridges? Gephyrophobia. To all of these, Linus basically says, well, not exactly, I don't know, sort of, maybe, kind of, until Lucy mentions pantophobia. And Linus asks, well, what's pantophobia? And Lucy says, it's the fear of everything. And Linus shouts out so loudly that he startles Lucy, that's it! Pantophobia. Afraid of everything. Well, most of us here probably aren't afraid of everything, but almost all of us have some things that we tend to be afraid of. Now, obviously, a a certain measure of healthy fear is a good thing in some circumstances. For example, a, a healthy fear of electrocution keeps us from sticking our fingers into light sockets or swimming outside during an electrical storm. A healthy fear of being bitten keeps us from playing with poisonous snakes. A healthy fear of fast-moving cars and trucks keeps us from walking out into the street without looking both ways first. But most of us struggle with things that go well beyond uh, these kinds of healthy fears. We worry, uh, stress, and become anxious about things that are beyond our control, things that are wrong in our world and in our lives. What are the things that make you afraid? The reality is there are many things in our world and in our lives that, uh, that are just wrong. The news headlines yesterday were all about violence, death, and destruction. Three, charged in NATO terror conspiracy. Two, arrested in killing of USC graduate students. Woman charged with friends stabbing murder. Mexican drug cartel battles uh, leave 20 dead in continuing violence. And there's potential for natural disasters too. Uh, An earthquake registering 6.0 on the Richter scale uh, just hit Italy. And I saw a headline where where NASA is concerned about 4,700 potentially dangerous asteroids that are are lurking near the earth. Uh, 
any number of possibilities. Sickness and disease are everywhere. They're, they're commonplace in our world. Cancer, heart disease, stroke, severe arthritis, and a host of other infirmities wreak havoc on, on people all over the place. Uh, I read of two women in the last couple of weeks whose lives had been threatened by some type of flesh-eating bacteria, and at least one of those women had to have her feet and her fingers amputated. Many of you here this morning have experienced firsthand uh, painful sicknesses or disease. Uh, You know firsthand the stress, the worry, the anxiety that such things can cause. Right now, there are an awful lot of people who have grave concerns about the, the local, national, and global economy and how it might affect their own financial security. They're worried about enormous deficits, massive debt, out-of-control spending, the potential for runaway inflation, and governments that don't seem to be willing to address the problem. Uh, With the U.S. economy barely limping along and the European Union in dire straits, maybe even on the verge of dissolving, there are a lot of people who believe that the, the global economy may well be on the brink of collapse. These are things that cause people worry and stress and anxiety. Violence, war, natural disasters, sickness, disease. Uh, These are all things that are truly wrong in our world and in our lives. And as such, they often cause us to fear. In the third century, a man named Cyprian wrote the following words. He said, this is a cheerful world as I see it from my garden under the shadows of my vines. But if I were to ascend some high mountain and look out over the wide lands, you know very well what I should see. Brigands on the highways, pirates on the sea, armies fighting, cities burning, in the amphitheaters, men murdered to please uh, please applauding crowds, selfishness and cruelty and misery and despair under all roofs. It is a bad, bad world, Adonatus, an incredibly bad world. Well, not much has changed really, has it, since Cyprian penned those words to his friend. Life is full of uncertainties. Turmoil is never far from our existence on this earth. All around us, things are constantly changing, and we are all too often completely and utterly powerless to do anything about it. And so because of our lack of ability to control our world, the people around us, and even our own lives, we feel threatened. And when we feel threatened, we respond in fear. We begin to imagine the worst and play out all kinds of what-if scenarios in our minds. What if something happens to my kids, my spouse, my parents? What if this spot on my skin is cancer? What if I can't pay my bills next month? What if I lose my job? I have to confess that I've wrestled with some of this kind of thinking just in the last few months as as, uh, we have been exploring future ministry possibilities. What if we don't find a church that's a good fit? What uh, What if where we end up going doesn't work out? What if the church that's voting on us comes back to us with a bad vote? What then? And so we fear. And all too often, like Linus and his blanket, we we seek security in other things. Things that end up being idols for us. Some seek security in material things. They accumulate. The more the better. The more secure we feel. Some seek security in spouses or children or other family members or friends even. Some seek security in their jobs. Some seek security in their physical bodies, making their workout routines and physical health their absolute top priority. Well, all of those things in and of themselves are good, but we will be sadly disappointed if we, if we hope to find our security in them. Because at the end of the day, these things all turn up empty. Material things break, rust, fade, or wear out. Other people, whether spouses, children, or friends, 
or parents. Other people inevitably disappoint us and let us down. Jobs come and go. And our physical bodies slow down and eventually wear out. Nothing in this world is adequate to give us the level of security that we all seek. The psalmist understood that true security and peace are only to be found in God. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46 is one of the Psalms of Zion. It's divided into three stanzas with a refrain after the second and third stanzas. Verses 1 to 3, verses 4 to 6, and verses 8 to 10 are the three stanzas. And verse 7 and verse 11 are the refrains. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want to just look briefly at these three stanzas in turn. All of these stanzas show us very clearly that God's presence and his power bring peace into the life of those who trust him. God's presence and his power bring peace into the life of those who trust him. And with that as the framework, I want to look at at three affirmations from this text this morning. The first stanza affirms that, that God protects. God protects. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. A refuge, as you know, is a place of safety and rest. It's a hiding place, a place to escape the chaos around us. God provides that safety for his people. That place of peace in the midst of the storms of life. He is our strength. He is strong. No matter how weak we may be, he is the one who protects his people and fights on their behalf. He is an ever-present help in trouble, which leads the psalmist to declare, therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. What an amazing statement of faith and trust that is. I mean, think about it. Even when the most solid, fixed, immovable things we know of in this life, represented by the earth and the mountains, even when those solid and immovable things give way to complete chaos and disorder uh, and instability, represented by the, the roaring and the raging of the sea, even then, we will not fear. See, the psalmist is expressing complete confidence that God is in control. God is the one who in the very beginning, in Genesis 1, created order out of chaos. And so he is not threatened at all when his created order seems to give way to chaos. One commentary said that verse 3 in the Hebrew has almost a defiant tone to it. uh, So that it would read something like this. Let the waters roar and foam. Let the mountains quake with their uh, surging. It's almost as if the psalmist is saying, bring it on, do your worst, because I know that God is in control. He is my refuge and my strength. An amazing statement of faith and trust in the Lord. God alone is the ultimate place of safety and security. As long as God is present, I will not fear. Now, this does require an eternal perspective Because clearly all is not right with the world. As you and I well know, Christians are subjected to the fallen created order, just like everyone else. Christians are not immune from the violence of war, persecution, or poverty, or injustice. Sickness, disease, tragedy, and death are no respecter of persons. And bad things do happen to good people. That's the reality of the world that we live in. But as followers of Christ, we can face these realities without fear because we know and understand that God is on the throne and he will have the last word. Our souls are safe in him. Which leads into the second stanza there in verse four. And this stanza affirms that God provides. God provides. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now the language here is the figurative language of grace, the figurative language of peace and God's provision, the smooth flowing river with life-giving streams that bring joy to God's people. Quite a contrast to the raging, roaring waters of, of, of chaos as seen in the first stanza. Now, there was no river in Jerusalem. But Ezekiel had a vision of a river. Ezekiel saw this river of God's grace flowing from under the threshold of the temple and expanding quickly into waters deep enough to swim in. These waters made the desert a wonderfully fruitful place. Ezekiel 47, 12 says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, <clears throat> Excuse me. nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And in Revelation 22, the Apostle John has an almost identical vision. These pictures remind us that God's presence and his power are, are the source of healing, restoration, and abundant life. Even under siege and threat from external powers, the city of God is like the Garden of Eden. Because God is within her, renewing, restoring, blessing and providing for her. <clears throat> Verse 5 says that God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. God is with her through the long dark night. And God will help her at the break of day. And God is able to provide abundantly for us here today. Regardless of our circumstances. We can experience his peace. His joy. His calm, even in the midst of uncertainties, dangers, and difficulties, even threats to our very existence. Why? Because God is with us. He is there with us when life is good and all is well. And he is there with us when the bottom falls out, when life falls apart. At the end of World War II, Allied forces swept across Germany, searching farms and uh, houses, looking for snipers. And at one abandoned house, uh, which was almost just a heap of rubble, searchers found uh, in the basement with flashlights, uh, they found a crumbling wall on which a victim of the Holocaust had scratched a star of David. And then underneath that, in rough lettering, wrote the following words, I believe in the sun, even when it doesn't shine. I believe in love, even when it is not shown. I believe in God, even when he does not speak. God is there with us, even when we cannot sense his presence at all. He will see us through, and then he will be there with us afterward, helping us to pick up the pieces. He is there with us, providing for us, no matter what we may be facing or going through. Which leads into the third stanza. God prevails. God prevails. Verses 8 and 9 give us a picture of God's power over all the earth. And a glimpse of God's ultimate plan for the future. Ultimately, God will bring peace. It says he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. In verse 10, God himself has the last word when he speaks forcefully and directly to the nations. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is basically saying to the nations, enough. Be still. Cease and desist. Give up making war on my people because I am their protector and their provider. I am their refuge and strength, and my purposes will prevail. Life may be uncertain and shaky now, but at the end of the day, we can proclaim confidently that God is on the throne. 
We see this confidence in the prophet Habakkuk when Judah was about to be invaded by the Babylonians. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And as the apostle Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He goes on to say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will have the last word in human history. Chaos will be no more, and all who trust in him will live in true peace and safety. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. As these stanzas make clear, God is with us and for us. God's presence and his power bring peace to those who trust in him. And so we have a choice. We can choose to go with the advice of that great philosopher, Charlie Brown, who said, I have a new philosophy. I'm only going to dread one day at a time. Or we can take to heart and echo the testimony and faith of Cyprian. Remember Cyprian? Listen to his words. You heard a part of what he had to say earlier. He said, it is a bad, bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. Cyprian was martyred for his faith in the third century. He, like the psalmist, found his peace and security in the Lord. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what causes you to fear. I don't know what causes you worry or anxiety. Maybe you're out of work, or maybe you're concerned about your job security. Maybe you're worried about the economy and how you're going to make it financially. Maybe you or someone you love is dealing with a serious illness. Maybe you're experiencing family problems or relationship difficulties. I don't know what it is that robs you of peace, but I know that the words of this psalm are true, and they are for you. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Please pray with me this morning. Almighty God, thank you that you are indeed the refuge and strength of those who trust in you. Enable us, I pray, through the power of your spirit at work in us to hear and heed your word to the nations because it is your word for us too. Help us to be still and know that you are God. And help us to respond to our circumstances, troubles, and difficulties, not with fear, but with faith. And we'll give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. The refrain in verses 7 and 11 powerfully reiterate and emphasize the, the main point of the psalm that true peace and security come only from the presence of power, a presence and power of God in our lives. Our confidence remains in the fact that the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
And these verses were the inspiration for one of the all-time great hymns of the faith, penned by Martin Luther himself. I invite you to turn in your hymnal to hymn number 377, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And I invite you to stand with me for our closing hymn. Received the benediction this morning. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.